Welcome to the Family Health and Hustle Podcast, where sharing our stories, common experiences, and best practices about balancing family, practicing good health, and reaching your goals can help you feel supported, bring clarity, and guide you to the life you want. So if you're ready to challenge yourself, your health, and the hustle around you, then consider this your community. Now, let's welcome your host, Anthony Hernandez. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to talk about that feeling that you get maybe once in a lifetime, maybe quite often, but that feeling deep down when you have to pursue something, when you feel that something's right, but it may mean you have to shift course, change things up. Maybe it's going to lead to something better, a better life. Maybe it's not. Today, we're going to talk about trusting your gut. And our guest is an example of the great things that can happen when you trust your gut. Today, I have Jill Putnam with me that I get to have a wonderful conversation with. Jill is a corporate controller turned entrepreneur. After 13 years of climbing the corporate accounting ladder, she followed her gut and started her own company. With a brand new take on headwear for long hair, Red Sprite Hats launched as the first hats and beanies you can put on when your hair is already up in a messy bun. Tell me about it. I have that problem. Just kidding. After launching, she was approached to help other businesses with her accounting expertise and so also runs an accounting consulting business alongside Red Sprite Hats. When Jill isn't working, she's listening to audiobooks around the house, and her favorite thing is hanging with and playing games with her family. Jill Putnam is a shining example of what can happen when you follow that gut feeling. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today to talk about that, to, to tell us about her journey, where she's come from, where she's going, her goals, and all the all the joy that has happened in that journey in between and all the learning and growing that she's gone through. So without further ado, Jill Putnam. Jill, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the intro, you are an esteemed businesswoman. And I was connected with you through a friend of ours, a mutual friend, and you have a really cool story and, and you're building something really special. And so I wanted to get you on here and, and have you share it with the audience, kind of share where you've come from, where, what your experiences are and where you're going, because I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate to what you're doing, especially as a woman in business. There's a lot of women out there that feel a little intimidated in there. And here you are leading your own company, and which is awesome. And the world you came from you were a leader as well. So I think it's something people are really going to relate to. So I just want to jump in and, and have you tell the story a little bit about you professionally and you know a little bit about your family and things like that. Tell us kind of where you've been and your experience. Yeah. Okay. So to kind of give the background, I came from the world of accounting and right out of high school, actually during high school even, I was an accountant. So I was a controller for a $55 million company for many years and was in the world of just that. I was leading the accounting team and the finance divisions and all of that and was in that space for over a decade and started to have this feeling that I needed to go out on my own and I needed to do something to start my own business. And so I it took me a couple of years to figure out what that would be and then went ahead and launched Red Sprite Hats. In 2020, we launched with a Kickstarter, had a successful Kickstarter launch and just kind of started running running with that. A year after that, I actually got kind of brought back into the accounting world from past connections. In the business world, I had people reaching out saying, hey, can you do some consulting work? Um, and so... I'm now running Red Sprite Hats and also um, a an accounting consulting um, business as well. So that's kind of the very high level. I've also I've I'm married. We've got two kids. I've been married for just over 15 years. Um, Congratulations! And 
Thanks. Yeah, so we've got an 11-year-old and a 6-year-old. That's awesome. Sorry, 5-year-old. I can't believe I just said 6. She's 5. <laughs> 5, 6. They all blend together. My son just <laughs> turned 6, and he's I mean, he's been a spitfire the last couple of years, so I, I'm losing track. But he, he is well, sure she's... to remind me every day, though, that he's 6. <laughs> well, she keeps telling people she's the wrong age. And so then it because she's so tall so that everyone's like no you're not five you must be <laughs> and then i just like spaced it there that's funny my son will do this thing where he's like dad remember when i was five and i uh, did this or that and i'm like you know you were five a month ago <laughs> like his birthday was literally this month <laughs> or last month yeah. i guess so but he's sure to remind me like now that i'm six i can do this and i'm like yes you can buddy Yes. So let's talk a little bit about your professional experience. So I didn't know what a controller was for many years, and maybe there's people listening at home that don't know what that is. And then I, I got into the corporate realm where I I had someone in my team that was the controller, and I was always like, what's that? And the best way I know how to put it is if you think about an accountant or a, a CFO suit, you know, tie, looking sharp, whatever, and then the controller is like standing in front of him with a sword and shield, just blocking all the the junk that is coming his way. And, you know, he gets to be the famous one and you're the one being like, I need help. <laughs> I'm, I'm fighting this off. That's my uh, experience with a controller. Would you relate to that? That's that's a funny way of putting it. So in my case, I actually was my title was controller, but I was also basically the CFO. Oh, OK. So there was like it was me and then the CEO. Like oh, okay. I was, I was the one leading. There wasn't anyone above me. The CEO was his experience was in like marketing, so it was literally up to me to manage the entire financial portion of the business. All when it like the, you know the what's the phrase? It stopped at me. Like the like I was the last one, so I was the one making sure that all of financial projections all of the financials were done correctly like i was putting together like the board packages of like here's it like here's all the comparisons here's all the financial analysis like that was it was all on me wow and like so and then that's how it was at the next company like it was you know so i it's kind of like there's a few different titles in the accounting world that depending on the company they all kind of mean the same thing so I was a director of finance, but really it was still like I was a CFO. Gotcha. I, okay. Like, I was the one doing all of it and making sure that it all rolled up correctly and was in accordance with all of the rules and regulations of the accounting world and all that kind of stuff. So so is it uncommon or is it common, I guess, for a company of that size? You said it was a that first one was a $50 million company, $55 million company. Is it common to have kind of someone in that dual role? Because isn't my understanding of it is like the controller is dealing more with the, the hands-on, like taking the receipts, doing the budgeting, doing the bookkeeping, doing the balancing, you know, like reimbursements, all that stuff. And then the CFO was maybe making the higher level choices or decisions. And so there's obviously different stresses that come with those positions, I would imagine. So is it common for for all that to be put on one person at that size of a company? So I had a team of like 12 people okay. under me. So it wasn't just me. <laughs> um, okay. So I had like an accounting supervisor under me and then she was kind of the one that was, um, so there was still like that tiered level and it really just came down to like titles. Gotcha. Um, I think it sounds really but, cool if we just say you were in charge of all of it. I mean, it's cool either way, but I think it sounds even cooler if we were like, she was doing it all. She was out there taking care of it, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, but that's really cool. That So you had a team of people. Okay. I was going to say, cause when you're talking about the size of the company, I was like, wow, that's uh that I can just imagine. I mean, I'm not an accountant, but uh, I'm sure with my little baby businesses, my accountants hate me, let alone a, a very large business. Um, so that's really, yeah, no. So there was, yeah. So we had like a team of people, but it, you know, like that's like the buck stops at me. Like I'm the one making sure everyone is doing it correctly. But then like my personal responsibilities were all of like, you know, obviously managing the team and then any forecasting, budgeting, all of like the preparing the monthly financials and the monthly board package, all of that was on me. Gotcha. And when we were talking prior to to the show, 
um, you had mentioned that you were the only woman in the in the C-suite, essentially, right? And yeah. I'm the type of person where I would like to think that it it doesn't matter gender and things like that in certain situations. Like that's how I try to look at life. I guess maybe I'm a little naive. I, I do my best to try to be like, we're all good. We're all, there's no intimidation. There's no difference. But I think there maybe really is when you are the only, whether it's a gender or ethnicity or, or whatever within a, a large group of people, is it a little intimidating or are you having to fight for your spot? Obviously men have, <sighs> bad tempers sometimes, things like that. Like what was your experience there as a, as the sole woman in the, in the C-suite? Well, I think that it was just, there's a lot of different things. Like there's just situations that as a woman you get put in that you don't get put into as a man. You know, you're constantly getting put into questions about, oh, are you going to have more kids? Uh, yeah. If you have more kids, are you going to stay home? Or are you going to keep working? We needed like, and they'd say, no, we're not actually talking to you. Like, we're not, like, we're not allowed to talk to you about this, but we're going to talk to you about it anyways. Interesting. Um, you know, like, well, we need to plan for the business. And so it was kind of, when it comes to, like, fighting for my spot, that's how I had to fight for my spot is be like, no, I want to work. I discovered pretty quickly after having my first a child that work is really important to me for my mental health. That's what kind of helped pulled me out of like postpartum depression after having my initial maternity leave. And so I realized I was like, for my mental health, I need to be in the workspace. Like I need to be doing something. And so I kind of had to keep fighting for my spot in that way. But from a professional standpoint, I didn't feel like I felt like I had to fight for my spot because I was a woman, not because of my like I felt totally qualified and like in this space, I was like, yeah, you're, I'm in this position because I deserve to be in this position. And I felt that support from all of the other executives. And, but it was, it was just kind of interesting because there would be times when I would be spotlighted because it'd be like, oh, well, a lot of our times our target demographic is women. Jill, what is your opinion on this? And so I was the only, I was the only person being asked or being kind of like the focus group for different products, for like new products and bringing in, they'd be like, hey, Jill, we want to ask your opinion about this. And I'm like, my, like, I'm not the only woman. It's not, <laughs> yeah. not, like, not just my opinion is going to represent the entire population of women or our target demographic, even though I technically fell into the target target demographic. I was like, oh, goodness. So this is kind of like those kind of situations but I also had a really fantastic executive group to work with that were very supportive it's just kind of those conversations and things that you would get brought into or situations where I think one of the other really common things is the executive men that I was surrounded with their wives stayed home so they weren't ever exposed to situations such as daycare and the challenges that come along with like daycare and extracurricular activities for your kids and how that plays into when you have both parents working kind of those challenges that so there was some disconnect in I would say like the education surrounding having like two working parents that's really great insight because and I appreciate you for sharing that because a lot of times I think the narrative is that when women are in the boardroom there's this weird narrative where it's like, ah, oh, you don't deserve to be here. And the men are looking down. And if I understand what you're saying, it, it really wasn't that. It was a different dynamic where maybe your personal life was being pulled into the conversation a little bit more than you would have liked to because it had to deal with, like you said, child care. Are you having any more children? Are you going to be growing your family? And it may not have even been in a, a negative way. It was just, hey, we you know, we want to know if you're going to be here uh three months after you're, you're, you have uh, your baby or are you going to take six months or even coming back, right? Those kind of conversation. And then also maybe some pressure of we're a bunch of dudes and this product is, a, is for women. And uh, well, Jill, you're here. So, uh, you know, everyone take notes and just stare into Jill's eyes and say, okay, Jill, tell us what do we have to do? Is that, so it sounds like it's yeah. not even, and it wasn't even that you, like you said, you didn't feel like you didn't belong there. It was just this other dynamic of maybe conversations that didn't men didn't have to have because you know no one questions when a man's at work they don't usually bring up like where are your kids are you gonna take some time off when you have a kid or whatever right that those questions typically don't come up or at least they're not the first ones 
Yeah, exactly. You kind of hit it on the head there with kind of how it how that dynamic was a little bit different where, yeah, I didn't feel, like I said, I had a very supportive executive team that I really appreciated and were like, yeah, no, we trust you. You you got this. But there was like this whole other side where like one of the reasons that I was starting to feel frustrated with the kind of the corporate environment was my son was getting a little bit older and I was like, I need to get him in swim lessons. And if you look at a swim lesson schedule, it's during the work days. And he was at daycare. And I was like, how am I supposed to make this happen? And, you know, those are kind of the struggles that you have as two working parents. And when you're talking with or dealing with individuals where there's only one working parent, that doesn't even cross their mind, mm-hmm. you know, so they're not they're not dealing with kind of those same sort of challenges. And that's kind of what ended up one of the one of the initial kind of feelings or frustrations I was having that then kind of guided me to start my own company because then I could set my own hours and get my kids into some lessons. That's awesome. Everyone's situation is going to be different. I know people who work with a lot of women that work with a lot of other women that don't have kids. And some of those same conversations come up even with them is like, oh, you have to take off early today. Oh, you got to pick up your kids from school or, oh, you got to do this. And like, it might not even be in a negative way, but people who you know, those conversations can come up essentially is what I'm saying. And I think anyone in the workplace, you know, be, be prepared for that and, and don't be ashamed of it either. Right. I mean, it's, it's life that, that that's, it's the more important part of life, right. That always will trump work. And so, so anyway, thank you so much for that insight. Yeah, it's well, great. Yeah. And just kind of along those lines too, like, because part of that too is like PTO. Once I had, once I had my first son, all my PTO went to him being sick uh. and me having to stay home. Cause this was, this makes me feel really old, but this is before remote work was ever really even considered mm-hmm. an option. You know, a lot of companies really looked down on, on remote work. And so it was like, my son's too sick to go to school or like, I have to stay home. Like, that's not like, that's an, op- that's not an option or whatnot. And so that was, um, like a new thing too as like a new parent you're like you know sorry I can't and you know so that's another thing that if you like don't have kids or if you have someone that's staying at home like that's not something that you realize either that's going to happen that like literally probably 70% of all my PTO during those years went to my kids being sick and needing needing to stay home to take care of them well that's uh Again, great insight. Thank you for sharing that because I think, like I said, the narrative is different out there. But I think what you're saying is, and maybe the narrative is correct at times, but I I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet that a lot of it is similar to your situation where people, there are good people wanting to treat people equally, but those conversations get pulled in. And these are great conversations to have with your team or employers and things like that. So that's a little bit of your your background. You went from two firms, essentially one large company where you were doing the the control being the controller and managing that team, basically being the CFO, to another company where you're doing that. And then that's kind of where things started piling up for you and you were like, you know what? I want some more flexibility. I want some more freedom. I want to maybe get a was was money an option, like even a factor? Was it like I kind of want to be in control of my destiny when it comes to financial, like the piece of the pie that I get? What exactly created this feeling outside of your your schedule that you were like, I think I think I I have a desire to do something else. Well, that was kind of what was weird about it was that it really the feeling felt like it came out of nowhere. Like there was me and my husband had talked about when we very first got married, we're like, it would be cool if we owned our own company. And then life happens and that died. And then so it was like 2017 and I had actually only been at this new company for maybe like six months. And I just started having this feeling that was like, you're not going to be here for years and years. I had been at the previous company for nine years. So I was like, yeah, I'm here. So I'm going to be here for a long time. But I had this feeling it was like no, you need to start looking at uh, your own company. If you want to be able to go to, like, I don't know. It was just, it seriously, like, it started and it didn't go away. And it was, like, always in the back of my mind. And at the time, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? I was like, what is this business I'm supposed to start? And I had no idea, so I was 
kind of racking my brain and I was like, I have this feeling, I was like, just be open. So I was kind of constantly scanning or having it in the back of my head, just having like a conscious, open mindset of, you know, maybe I'm going to start my own company. What should it be? And so I, it was honestly like a two year gut feeling process of me going through and like, maybe if I should do this and I would kind of start dabbling in something and then be like, no, that's not it. And um, I actually like, like I started my own clothing line, but I never actually got past the sample process. (laughs) (laughs) And then I ended up having another baby during this. And so it was actually during my maternity leave kind of process of sitting there and I was just scrolling on my phone while she was sleeping in my arms and I saw I like clicked into an email and I saw and it was like a bestseller and it was like messy bun hat and all it did was it just had a another hole at the top and I looked at it and I was like how is that a bestseller and I it weirdly made me like super angry because I was like that doesn't solve anything I was like that doesn't actually solve the issues that women have wearing baseball caps and it bugged me so much that I sat there and I was thinking about it and I was like how like there's got to be something better out there and it stewed enough that I started solving the problem in my head and I started designing a new hat in my head and about two weeks later I had come up with like this design and I wanted it to be like a hidden opening that it's not because other hats it literally is just like another hole there's like a regular base like the regular hole at the bottom and then another hole that looks really weird so I'm like if your hair is down then you just have another hole at the top and also if you have a big messy bun you can't fit your hair through that or what if you want it at a different angle rather than straight up in the air right I mean that's exactly yeah yeah and so I started designing this new hat and about two weeks later I went to my husband and I was like this is gonna sound insane but I have this idea and he was like okay go for it and I was like you're not gonna like you're not gonna tell me that I'm crazy he was like, no, it sounds like you're onto something. He was like, maybe talk to someone in the sewing world to like make sure that what, you, what you're thinking is physically possible. And he was like, but like, it sounds like you've got some good reasonings and you're solving solving a problem out there. He was like, go for it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Let me just, I just want to cut it and say the words, I have an idea, probably give my wife nightmares. So it's really cool that, I mean, my wife's been supportive too, but it's really cool that your husband was like, sweet, like do it because I mean, yeah, those, those words usually make my wife flinch and she's like, what now? Because <laughs> mine aren't usually as good as yours, to be honest. Like I, I you, you've dabbled with the clothing line and then, and then, you know, looks like you kind of had a great idea and struck gold here. My list of failed attempts and failed endeavors are quite long. <laughs> So, so anyway, so, but I digress. So go, go ahead. So, so he supported you. You, did you end up reaching out to someone and kind of do like a proof of concept where you maybe didn't just dive in and and cut a check and say, I'm going to dedicate everything, but were you actually doing a little bit of research to see, you know, is this what people want? Yeah. So I actually, this was another gut feeling that I had was he was like, who could you talk to? And I immediately thought of one of my friends, her name's Kara. And I was like, I haven't talked to her in a really long time, but I feel like I should talk to Kara. And my husband, Matt, was like, okay, go take her out to lunch. I was like, oh, but I haven't talked to her for so long. I was like, this is going to sound so weird. But it was, again, that, like, gut feeling that really just, like, drove me. Because it's like, you know when it's more than like just a regular gut feeling when it stays mm-hmm. like this is like person so I waited like another week or something before I even messaged her because I was like this is gonna sound insane and I'm like how's it going I haven't talked to you in like two years but can I take you out to lunch and so I we went out to lunch and she was like I love this she was like and I actually just started a mastermind group would you be interested in joining awesome. and I was like absolutely and so then I ended up getting to go. She invited me and I immediately was with this group of women that I met and I 
actually in that first time I went home and I said, Matt, I have to do this so I can be friends with these ladies. <laughs> and, I, and that was honestly like a driving thing is I was like, these ladies are so cool and so amazing. And I was like, and I want to be friends with them. The only way I'm going to be able to stay friends with them is if I actually start this company. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's true what they say. You you become like the, you know, five, the average of the five people you hang out with, right? And then you get into these groups of, of people that are just hustling or, or trying things. And, and there's a little bit of that feeling, I think, where it's like to get in the group, it's like these group, these guys are pretty cool. I got to, I got to figure out how to get in here and I need to, I need to do something cool. Well, let's pursue an idea, right? It's interesting how that, I think that pans out. And I think that's great. Yeah. And they were honestly just, well, they still are. This is the most supportive, amazing group of ladies. And I love them so much. And they, were instrumental too in when I launched the Kickstarter and sharing and getting the word out there and I just have the highest respect for all the ladies in this group. That's awesome. Well, let me so you you develop a hat, you uh, meet with these ladies, sounds like all of them were like this is pretty cool. You are going from CFO to owner, manufacturer, marketer, what else am I missing? Uh, you know, warehouse manager, like you're, you're stepping out of this zone into this whole world of everything being on your shoulders. Was that easy? Like, tell us a little bit about that process. Were you a lot of research involved, a lot of books? Were you just really naturally good at it? And you came in and you're like, bada bing, bada boom, I can do this. I don't think it was that way, but maybe it was. No. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite bada bing, bada bing. <laughs> so what I kind of like to say is if you, when it comes to like me personally, give me like accounting, warehouse management operations, I can run a business like that. Easy peasy. Come to like marketing, social media, all of that, I've never had to deal with before. It's never been, you know, that's, I have like 15 years of corporate experience but I was never involved with marketing. I was very heavily involved with like operations and all that. So I was like, well, if this company gets really big, I know what to do. But starting out, so there was a, a lot of research, a lot of, and even just, so the time frame between me starting this idea and then starting to like create the samples, reaching out to manufacturers, this was like a whole year long process of then finding the manufacturer, getting samples and getting like my final samples to then actually come out with something to the world. It was this whole year long process. So that whole time was me trying to figure out how to do it. So I still am very novice and very apprentice with when it comes to like marketing and social media. Definitely my downside because that's how you grow the business. <laughs> Marketing and sales. That's a that's a the bane of my existence, but also the key, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of tricky because I'm like, give me a spreadsheet and I can like rock anybody's world and do really cool things. And I was like, but you want me to like be a marketer? <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. So that's been a massive learning curve. I've obviously I've gotten better. I wouldn't say that I'm great. You know, I hope to be able to grow big enough that I can hire out a lot of that because that's hire out the experts, right? Yes. I know where I'm an expert and I'm not an expert in this, in that side of things, but I'm doing my best right now. And I, like I said, I have some also amazing friends that I've learned so much from. And so I'm kind of constantly, anytime there's the opportunity to learn more about how to do it or how to get better at it, then I'm just like soaking it in. And another thing that I do too is like on social media or things like that, if you see something or when I see a video that I'm like, oh man, they did that so good. Instead of just leaving it at that, you take it a step farther and go, well, why is it so good? And I sit there and I'll rewatch it and be like, okay, well, how are they doing the camera frames? What are they doing? Is it the placement of this? And so you go that, like that's kind of the best way to learn is... If you see something, you're like, that's amazing. Take it a step farther and say, well, why? I think that's great advice because I literally do the same thing. In industries I'm interested in, if I see an ad or something, I'll rewatch it. I'll rewatch it. I'll take screenshots. I'll click on it. I have, I've subscribed to so many uh, funnels just to be like, what did their emails look like? <laughs> you know, like they got me to click on it. I want to know like what they're saying or, or, you know, whatever. But 
It's interesting that you say that because I'm I'm the same way. Would you say, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are scared to start because they see here they are, they're at home, whether whether they're a stay-at-home mom, whether they have a career, but it's kind of in a totally different direction of what they want to pursue, or maybe they're just someone that's starting out and they've been bussing tables at a restaurant and they have huge ideas and aspire for more. I think there's this this thought of when they're looking at it, overthinking is definitely something that stops people from starting a business. And I think marketing, sales, accounting, all these things can be super intimidating. My best advice or the thing that I have adopted is I just say, I can't wait to figure out that problem. And I put my head down and I just do it. Would that be the same with you? Is that something that, like, when it comes to marketing sales, obviously you still started your business. Was that kind of your mentality is, I'm just going to push and push and push, and I'm going to figure it out as we go. We can't think about the big problems right now. What do you think? Is that would that is that sound uh, similar, I guess, to what you experienced? A little bit. I would actually, I'm going to give a lot of credit to my husband here because he's the one. Oh, I'm getting emotional. At the beginning... I doubted myself a lot because that's why I was like, how do I do this? And I also, I live with a lot of anxiety. And so that can like stop me from doing things. I'm very like risk averted. (laughs) And so this was like a crazy big risk. And what my husband started saying to me was, what if it does work out? Um, Instead of, because I would be like, well, what if it fails? Like, what if it does, like, what if it doesn't work and so he started flipping it on me he goes what if it does work out and he was like oh that's true and he was and so something that we always do he'd be like okay what's the worst case scenario and what's the best case scenario and and you know he'd be like worst case scenario you get nothing and you like no one likes it and you don't get any money like no sales nothing at all he was like best case scenario it goes absolutely absolutely viral and you get millions and millions he was like Neither of those things are going to happen. You're probably going to fall somewhere in the middle, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's something that that kind of process or, or thinking process is something that we have in, like, our whole family. Anytime anybody, we're like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? What's your best case? Now you're going to be in the middle. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Um, and so he started, he's the one that was like, what if it does work out? And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So there was... A lot of, um, I was constantly kind of having to like pump myself up, <laughs> I feel like, because I would doubt myself. And um, I think that it is just reminding yourself that you can. And there's another phrase that I heard within these like first couple of years that was everything is figure outable. Um, I love that. And that, w- that stuck. And that was like, okay. I don't know, but I can figure it out. And that kind of ties into what you're saying. And so it is, a lot of it is like believing in yourself and saying like, yeah, I don't know, but I can figure it out. I can talk to someone. I can take a class. I can take a course. I can, I can figure it out. And then just then having the belief to like actually take it. So I think I am kind of the example of like, I did do it, but it took me a long time. Because I also was doubting myself and I was scared. And I still get that way with like new launches and new products. I'm like, do I do it? Do I do it? Yes, I know I have to do it. I have that gut feeling again. I have to do it. And you just kind of have to push past it. And and just that like believing yourself and realize like, yeah, you're going to be climbing a mountain. But you can. You can climb the mountain. That's That's possible. I love that. And you're doing it. That's the best part. You're you're climbing that mountain, looking down, going, no, man, I've come good. Uh, I've come uh, quite a far away. I can do this. I'm not so far from the top now, right? That's awesome. Yeah. And I love that, that you share that about uh, your husband. And I think that's a testament to a good marriage, just uh, having a good partnership and understanding and communicating with each other. Because even if, uh, even if someone's out there and they're married to a spouse who's not as interested in the business side... Or maybe they are, maybe, you know, I think it's so important to just communicate. I was thinking about this the other night. I have a number of friends who one of the spouses is really pursuing a lot of their goals. And I've heard kind of the comment from people outside of, of their relationship, like, wow, like, I can't believe 
she or he is letting them do that, I would be like, no, we can't do that. We have to, you know, get such and such an order. And my comments always like, well, if they're communicating and they're working that out, like they can be supporting each other. And, and just like you said, we fully understand this is as bad as it could get. This is as good as it could get. We're going to land somewhere in the middle and do it. Like, just do it. Like, now's the time, right? Because I think the benefits outweigh the uh, what what could happen in the end, right? Um, yeah. Well, I just, and I think, too, like, this was, if if you're looking at something and you have this idea, you're like, maybe I want to pursue it. Another way to look at it, too, is think like, okay, if I don't do this, am I going to regret it? And that was something that happened with this where I was, you know, as we're, my husband Matt and I were talking and we're like, do we, how do we do this? And I was like, if I don't do this, I will regret it. And so I think that, you know, if you communicate that and that's, I do have an amazing, amazing partner and spouse and my husband, like he has really, he's like, I know you're not going to like screw anything up. (laughs) Thanks, hon. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you're not going to, he's like, you're not going to intentionally, you know, it's just that like, this is as bad as it can get. He was like, it's not going to get worse than that. And that's fine. We can like, we can live with that. And, and so he's like, so go for it. And yeah, that that's, he's, he's had a lot of trust in me, honestly. He's, um and and I really appreciate that and he's great and that's and I think that like for other people out there and other spouses it's you know understand where your spouse is coming from or your partner like understand that if they're if they're at a point where they're like if I don't do this I'm gonna regret it if you tell them no then they will have feelings like they'll hold hard feelings towards you for not allowing them to pursue something that if they don't pursue it they're gonna regret it because there is that like, what if, like, what if it does work out? And, you know, if it's something that you guys can stand or live with, let them do it. No, I agree with you a hundred percent because usually, like you said, even, even, even if it took a war, the worst case scenario, that's usually, there's really, there's not much you can't come back from, right? I mean, like you can come back from that, but that mental angst of thinking I could have tried something, it could have been, but I just didn't do it. And then, especially if a spouse or a partner is the one that's the driving factor for not doing that, without any conversation, I should say, you know, I can see that being one person being a little bitter towards the other. But that being said, there are some goals that I think also just need to be talked through. You know what I mean? There's things where maybe come up and the spouse is uncomfortable with it and says, hey, I don't, I'm uncomfortable with it in that way. Can we pivot or, or kind of maneuver so I am comfortable with it? Like if I went to my wife yesterday and said I wanted to be an exotic dancer, she'd probably be like, I don't know if I love that, but you can be a dancer, <laughs> you know, right. like I think yeah. you have that conversation. It's it's OK. It's OK to say, whoa, whoa, hey, oh, pump the brakes. I'm open to the conversation, but maybe the way you're you're thinking about it, I'm not super stoked about. Can we find a happy median? Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, a lot of it is just that like communication. And I will say, too, that starting it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies for us things got really hard and money got really really tight in that first year because I was literally half of our family income prior to starting this like that's our like I started this and I had left my corporate job and was going on this and so there was a big hole that it was like I have to make up like I had like a financial goal that it was like, I have to make up X number of dollars in order for our family to be able to survive. And so things got really, really tight. Like it's not, you just that it's not rainbows and butterflies. And like, once you start it, like things can go wrong and things will go wrong. And I think that that's another thing too, to remember you will fail, but that's how you learn. Like, even though, like, that first year was extremely difficult for us financially, we learned a lot as a family. I learned a lot as a business owner, and we kept going, and we made it work, and it was, things were okay. And so, a a lot of it is communication and being, supporting each other. And so, I think, like, 
if it's reasonable, if you're not asking your spouse to be an, ex- an exotic dancer. I can dream. Um, I, I still want to one day. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't have the body for it. <laughs> but, you know, if it's within reason and it's something that you can support them, like, I say, like, go for it. And, you know, there might be a little bit more explaining how to do it. Like, that's my husband was very involved in me, like going through because I was constantly questioning myself I'm like does this work do you think this works we you would be like I'm not a girl I don't wear my hair up <laughs> and I'd be like yeah but you see where I'm going and he'd be like yes you're fine that's you're awesome. okay you can do it that's awesome well I appreciate you sharing that because I think yeah like you said communication is so important I mean I'm I'm the type of person and me and my wife when we've hit some rough patches and business endeavors or career endeavors, we would look at each other and be like, hey, it sucks. But we both knew it was going to suck. So let's keep pushing through it. Let's keep pushing through it. This wasn't a surprise. Right. So I think that communication, like you said, is, is so important, which I think feeds into your business mantra that you told me that I think is awesome, which is persistence pays off. That's your business mantra. I think I want. I would ask you, like, what what would make you come up with that business mantra? But this whole conversation, I think, feeds to that is just believe in yourself and keep going. Yeah, for real. Like I said, that first year was really hard, especially because I I think I believed in myself a little too much, and I think this is pretty common. Like you're like, I have this awesome product, and I had presented it to a few people and they're like, this is amazing. And so I was like, this is going to take off and we're just going to be like, boom, boom. This is going to be amazing. And then that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, now what? And so it was something I had to learn and kind of realize and accept the fact, okay, Jill, you aren't that great at marketing. (laughs) You're not good at social media. You haven't figured it out yet. It's going to take you a while, and that's okay. And and I had to remind myself, I'm in this for the long haul. If you're starting a business, it's probably not going to take off immediately. It's probably, you know, and if you want to have an actual really successful business, it's, it's going to take a while. And something I started to realize, too, is I was looking at, a lot of times, you compare your, like, first year to somebody's, like, fifth year. Or 10th year. Because you see them like, why are they doing so good? Look at what they're doing. And and then I would look at it and be like, oh, they're celebrating their 5th anniversary. They're celebrating their 10th anniversary. They've had 10 years to get this figured out. And so I'd actually seen another small business that had said something along the lines of, like, you've got to be persistent. And that's what ends up. And that was kind of, it kind of soaked in. And I was like yeah, you know what? That's what I'm adopting. Persistence pays off. I've just got to stick with it because I'm not always going to be 100% consistent because I'm also raising a family and doing all these other things that come with life and come with being a wife and a mom. And I was like, if I want to maintain or create a work-life balance that I'm happy with, that means I'm in this for the long haul. This means that my kids come first, and that means that I'm not going to be putting in 80-hour weeks, and I'm okay with that. And it's come down to, like, making these decisions and then being okay with those decisions and the repercussions from them and being like, you know what, I'm going to grow a lot slower because I am happy with the with the life I'm creating for my kids. I don't want them to, to have a mom that constantly is working even though they do see me work a lot <laughs> and they and they know that I have like work times and whatnot but I was like when they come home from school I'm mom and you know sometimes I get pulled into meetings and whatnot but and they know that but for the majority of the part I want my kids to know that they can count on their mom and so that means that I'm in this for the long haul this and we are going and it's a slow process and it's slowly building and it's we're, we're growing and that's great. And I love that. I don't know if that, that kind of, it kind of answers it. No, I love that. And do you, do you, do you think you have to, do you find that you have to kind of put some blinders on because on one end of the spectrum, you want to, like you said, 
see what other people are doing and learn from them, learn their experience or learn what they're trying online, marketing, social media, all that stuff. But on the other end, it's almost like you can't, you can't look at where they're at right today. Like you said, it's almost like you got to ignore some of that and be like, I'll get there. I just can't see the the flash and the glam of what they're doing now because then I start getting a little down on myself. For sure. That kind of comes back to celebrating the small wins and and tracking yourself and being like, look, I'm making progress. Look at what we've done from here to here. And I'm proud of that. And that is okay. And I don't need to compare that to anybody else. And and be happy with that. And also like celebrate other people's like wins. And, you know, I love seeing other small businesses or small business owners that I know, like when they do really cool things, I am like, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And be like, I know that they are doing this and this and this. I don't currently have that on my, in my bandwidth and that's fine. And I'm happy with where we are or whatnot. And so that's, you know, um, yeah, so it is kind of like putting on blinders, but it's also when you're comparing, I think it can be easy to compare. And there's something that someone had said one time where they said, you know, if you go, if you find yourself comparing with someone and you say, okay, is that something I really, truly want? And a lot of times when I see this becoming like, yeah, that is what I want. And I say, but am I doing right now? Am I happy with what I'm doing right now to get there? And that, so that's what I do is I'm like, they're doing amazing things and that's fantastic. I'm happy with what I'm doing right now because I'm getting there. I'm on that path. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm doing what I feel like I can or what I need to, to progress and, and make it to the end goals that I want. That's great. I love that. Well, I want to ask you how you got the name of your company. So we've, we've talked a little bit about your history, kind of your business experience. I think this is incredible insight for those that are listening. And I, I think you're spot on 100%. I agree with you on absolutely everything you're saying. And I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for you. I mean, you're, like you said, you're, you're, start, you're already halfway probably up the mountain. You're further up than I am. I'm looking up going, I can't wait to be where you're at, Jill. <laughs> so you're rocking it and I love it. But you, you, the name of your business is very uh, unique and it has a great story behind it. And so I, before I let you go, I wanted to ask if you could share that with, with, our, with our audience. Yeah. So the company is called Red Sprite Hats and kind of the short version of it or just kind of is it's a subtle nod to my mom my mom actually passed away when I was just nine years old um and so during the time sorry um so during these years of like 2017 to 2019 when I was in this zone of knowing I was going to start a company and having like this gut pull but not knowing what it was going to be we were, I don't know why, but we were randomly like we were moving or something and we'd pulled out a box of my mom's stuff. And my mom had a, came across a picture and it's a picture of my mom in a, in a car. And the car is an Austin Healey red Sprite. And I saw that and I said the words red Sprite. I'm like, look at this cool car. And I said red Sprite. And I was like, you know what? Red Sprite is kind of a cool business name. And I kind of vowed then there, I said, whatever I do, the company is going to be called Red Sprite to honor her. So I'm like, it's not like a direct, you know, just hearing the name, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't know that that's what it is. But it was a way for me to kind of honor her and her legacy and be like, I got you, mom. To So that's why it's called Red Sprite Hats. I love that. And every time it's said... A piece of your mom, I think, echoes. Uh, so I think I think I love that. I love that you know you have such a great meaning to the name of your company, and and I know you're making her proud, and and it's exciting. So, um, thank you. Yeah, Jill, what's next for you? What's I always ask everyone? What's the next big goal? Is it business related? Is it family related? What's the what's the next big thing for you? What are you, what are you shooting for right now? Oh well, I have like so many plans, honestly. <laughs> But right now, I'm just about to launch our newest collection for Red Sprite hats that I'm really excited for. And it's also kind of this launch is will determine a lot about, 
the direction that I go with the company because these new hats are unlike anything I've done before. It's like a redesign of the hats. There's a new product involved and I'm really excited about it. So maybe by the time this actually comes out, the first look uh, of it will have been released. So you can check that out. But I have big goals. I want red sprite hats to be like that's the hat that women want like that's kind of my goal that it becomes like the household name and that when a lady or someone when they pull their hair up in a high ponytail or a messy bun they're like you know what I need that hat and so um but this yeah so uh, the first step of that is this new collection that's gonna be like a really big launch and just kind of also that long haul like we're just gonna keep going and keep growing and I don't know we'll see where it takes us I I love that and and where where are your where are red sprite hats available right now is it only online is it uh, in any retail stores how do people find you and support you so the best way is our online store which is redspritehats.com it is in a few like small monpa shops and some of our products are on Amazon but if you want the full selection, then head to our site, redspritehats.com. You can also find us on TikTok and Instagram at redspritehats. Awesome. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. I have really enjoyed our conversation. I love hearing your insight from someone that has transitioned from the oh, – we didn't even actually get into the consulting stuff you were in. I just realized that. We, we'll save that for another conversation <laughs> but because I think that's even – that's cool too. Like you're you're – you are a busy lady, but transitioning from working from these these corporate companies to really taking control of your destiny, taking control of your own time, I think it's such a huge thing, especially for those who have families. Obviously, we still have to work, but the fact that you can control it and be there for your kids and show them, I think it's just they're going to see a whole nother way to live their life you know, compared to what a lot of other families are just doing, which is go to work, come home you know, whatever, and and be kind of tied up in in those schedules where they're going to see you and see that flexibility and and see what mom's doing. And I think that's, I think that's probably the coolest part of it all. So thank you so much. Yeah, I love, thank you. That's, yeah, I love having, I love that my kids can see me work. They see what I'm doing and are a part of it. And, you know, sometimes my son will help me with like my graphic design stuff and, yeah, I hope that it is inspiring to them to be able to grow up and be like, you know what, I can do whatever I want. Mom did it, so I can. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. For the listener at home, if you found value in this episode, please go support Jill and Red Sprite Hats. We'll list her links uh, in the show descriptions and also in the description on YouTube. And uh, share this episode with a friend, please. If you know friends out there that are aspiring to do great things or pursue goals, whether small or large or business or health or whatever, we'd love it if you shared this show with them, share Jill's story with them. And keep an eye on her because you're going to be seeing her stuff all over the place. I might even wear it. I don't even need, I don't have a messy bun, but I think you can kind of, can you close them off? Can I? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I can wear it too. So I can just maybe pop it open in the summer to get some fresh air because I'm, I'm, well, I'm losing my hair, so I don't have any. (laughs) So I'll just get a nice little breeze through it. But go check out Jill in redspritehats.com and her social media uh, links. And we'll keep an eye out and watch, watch her grow. So thanks so much, Jill, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for joining in today because pursuing a balance between family, health, and hustle can feel a little wacky sometimes. So we need to learn from each other. And with a simple click to subscribe, we'll invite you back to our next episode. In the meantime, download our free ebook, Six Secrets for Success at FamilyHealthAndHustle.com. And remember, we're on this journey together. 